0: lovelies, welcome to Awakened Mind. Last week we spoke at length about my awakening experience, what brought me to see and experience Sai Maa Lakshmi Devi. So if you have not checked that out, please go check that out. Give it a listen. That holds a lot of my past. That was one of my births, shall we say, into this new mind that I have now. I wanted to share with you today my experience of my very first rebirth, or what would be considered the shamanic death and rebirth experience. And along this path, I am struggling to remember if it happened before or after Saima. My initial reaction is, I want to say it was either immediately before or immediately after. So after I went out to Colorado to meet Saima and I had my enlightened experience, coming out of that experience was extremely troublesome for my mind. While I was there, I wanted to surrender everything in my life and to walk away from everything that i had created in my life because in my opinion from that moment forward i had nothing to go back to i wanted to dedicate my life to saima and saima's work and i called my husband and i actually told him these things and i said i ha- i do not know if i will be home in two days or not because i was that convicted that i was going to become a nun of saima's None is not the proper word. She, They're called brahmachari. And brahmachari is the masculine word um, for that type of service. I do not remember the feminine word for that type of service. But it is someone who has dedicated their life to service of that person and that person's mission. And I was convinced that that is what I was going to be. However... After meeting her on Friday night and doing all of the energy work and receiving the the DNA work and the activations that Saima facilitated for us on Saturday, when I went to the hotel Saturday evening, I was shaking and vibrating internally so much and my mind could not think. There was no thought in my mind anymore since I had that awakening on Friday night, and that experience, there was no thought, positive or negative or otherwise. It was all there, all in my mind. And I remember getting into the hotel room and crawling under the covers of the bed and laying there shaking until I passed out from exhaustion. And when I woke up sometime in the night and was meditating, because I had no other direction to go except that. What else do you do when you wake up in the middle of the night to meditate? And I very clearly felt Saima's presence with me and could hear her voice. And the the guidance that I was receiving in that moment was very clearly that voice, in Saima's voice, said, you are not meant for that type of service on this planet in this lifetime. You must go out and be the master that you are and do more. And I remember feeling really upset because at first I thought, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to go about it. And if I just surrender my life to this path, I get to be connected in a way that I've never been connected before. And the energy behind that guidance was very fervent and very to the point of, no, you you are not meant to be in service to humanity in this way. You must step into your self-mastery and do more and be more and go help the people. So on Sunday, after everything wound down and the process closed out, I was having lunch with my friend who had brought me there, who had originally introduced me to Saima Diksha and we were having lunch and I was sharing with her all of these epiphanies that I had. And she was in such an interestingly different perspective than I was. And I noticed that her perspective, every time she went to come see Saima, she received these massive amounts of healing where she could feel like she could function inside her body again. And it was at that lunch that I had, I didn't even stop myself from saying it. I looked at her and I said, Do you understand that what this work is, is not healing work? Healing is the side effect of this work. And you are not a broken person. You are not broken. You do not need to be fixed. And The look that she gave me, it was as though it had never occurred to her that that was why she was going to these programs, was to feel whole, was to feel like she was being fixed again and over and over and over. And she got very excited about that and it started a beautiful chain line of work that we ended up embarking on together in a new way of healing and of seeing the world in ourselves. And so I shared with her what what I was experiencing, and we just took it from there. And I will never forget, on the plane ride home, as I was journaling all of my experiences and all the things that were happening, I really enjoyed my plane ride. And I landed at the airport in Asheville, North Carolina, and I stepped off the plane and I went towards the baggage area, and my husband was standing there, And it was so different and shocking to my mind. But when I looked at him, I did not see him. I did not see his physical body. I did not see his face. I saw his energy. And all of his energy was consumed in his mother. And so I did not see my husband. I saw my husband's mother come at me with this energy of desperation and when he hugged me I held my breath because I didn't know how to respond but I knew that I did not want him touching me and I will never forget that experience because it made me see very clearly my attachment my connection to my husband and what was feeding it And it was not okay. It was not healthy. It was full of neediness and projection. And it was full of unresolved issues. And I had an inkling that that energy transfer was happening. But it was not presented to me in that way until I could see the different spectrum. And having my mind awakened in the way that I did, I was seeing energy of everyone around me. And my, my auric field was very large and couldn't miss it. I couldn't miss it. And over the next several days, uh, my husband and I, I did not handle that experience well. So we had multiple, not fights or arguments, more like disputes because the more that I brought up the way that I was feeling and the things that I was seeing, the more that he became insecure and rejected those ideas. And it made life very hard. And he made the comment to me, I hadn't been home, but maybe four or five days. And he said, I have no idea who you are. You are not the person that left here. You are not the wife that I know. And I said, no, I am not. I am Becoming that which I was born to be here. And that is what is happening. And that is what I want to happen. And it was a very trying time in our relationship. Over the course of the next several months, as I continued to work and meditate and be in the energy of that event and be in the energy of Saima, the more that life found a new normal. And the healing work, I had no idea where to start. I didn't know what to do. So I opened a business and I called it Divine Unity for Health. And it was definitely a mouthful. But that is when I started doing my work for the public under a business name. And that was in 2012. And I started picking up clients. I had been doing a lot of intuitive work for free up until that point. And then when I opened a business and I stopped doing it for free, All of the people that used to get free work from me refused to pay me anything for it. And I lost all of my previous clients and had to start over. And it was around about that time that I started meditating more and more. And I was doing meditations in my subconscious quite frequently. And it led me to my first, what I would later discover is known as the shamanic death Of the ego. And I did not know that that is what was happening at the time. I think if I did, I would have gone about it a bit differently, which I guess is kind of the point. But I was being called to meditate. Now, there are certain signals that my energy body will give me, and the energy will build up over my head, and down over my shoulders, and it has this sense of urgency that is calling me out of my body to say, you must go meditate. There is something you need to see. There is something you need to hear. There is something you need to do, and I remember feeling this feeling, and I let it build up all day, and when I went to meditate that evening, I found myself in the woods And I was in the thick of the woods. I was in very strange, small scraps of clothing that appeared to be made out of leather. But I was standing on this, the base of a dry waterfall. There was no water in it. There were just rocks and bent over trees. And it looked like everything had flooded and washed washed around and... It was a big mess, and the energy of it was kind of dark. And I look over, and there was a black bear with a set of twin cubs. And I recognize this black bear and her twin cubs because I have had multiple meditations with this mother bear and felt such a connection with her that at this point in that meditation, I didn't understand it, but she was always around, and she was standing over, you know, a few yards away from me, and all of a sudden, I hear this rushing of water, and like a flood, water poured over this waterfall, carrying with it trees and mud and dirt, and it washed away the mother and her cubs, and I felt Such excruciating fear and grief that those cubs were being carried down the water. And at this point in my life, I did not have children yet. They weren't even a thought in my mind. At this point, I was over having children. Like, it was not something in my periphery. So I was very confused because those cubs felt like my children and I wanted desperately to go after them. And this voice came from the sky as I'm clinging onto the tree that is not moving and water is rushing past me and mama bear is on a different tree and the cubs are gone and the water is beating against me. And I hear this voice come out of the sky that said, don't go after them, go forward and i calmed down and all of the water had receded to more of a trickling river like just like that the water was gone and i climbed my way up this waterfall over the fallen trees and rocks and i climbed my way over And when I got to the top, it was a big, smooth rock face that was all slippery and wet. And as I got to the top, I slipped and I fell and I smashed my face on the stone. And this is a really important part. I smashed my face on the stone and I felt a pulling of energy out of my body. It came out of my feet all the way up through my body and out my crown And I immediately said to myself, something just left me. And when I looked up from the rock face, I saw myself, a shadow of myself, a ghost image of myself. And she was walking across the rock face to the side of this now apparently a river to what appeared to be some type of native tribe but not native american they had bright olive skin and short black hair and they were wearing weird weird leathery bottoms with straps on the on the sandals and they were wearing a weird type of loincloth i had never you know recognized with anything and i see my light body self walk up to this person and start speaking to this man in a language I had never heard of. And I got to my feet and I looked around and there was a little native village. There were women there. There were fires going. Um, I didn't see any houses or huts or lodge except for over in the corner next to a cavern where the water was trickling out of there was a sweat lodge and i knew it as a sweat lodge because of the way it was being prepared by the women tending it and my light body self walked over to me i'm now standing there all of this from that one perspective she walks over to me with this native person and they're speaking and they're deliberating and this native man looks at me and he's a little on the short side and he grabs my chin and he pulls me down and he opens my teeth he opens my mouth And he examines my teeth. And as he's looking at my teeth, he's saying something. And he's unsatisfied with something. But he gave me the impression through what he was saying, like it felt so familiar, like I should know what he was saying. And I just couldn't quite get it. I thought at first he was just sizing up my teeth because I have struggled with my teeth my whole life. My teeth rot no matter what I do with them. And even just talking about it, I can feel it in my throat, me not wanting to talk about it um, because it's been a source of grief for me. And I thought he was examining my rotting teeth like it was telling him something. And so I got very self-conscious about it. And my light body self just nodded in acknowledgement. And then he walked, he walked me over to the women next to this sweat lodge, and the women quickly like stripped down what was left of my clothes and put me in the sweat lodge. Now, the sweat lodge was very interesting for a couple of reasons. One of them was that the sweat lodge was completely made out of leather, and the leather was stretched tight over this rounded dome, uh, dome frame, and the only oxygen that could come in was maybe a half inch around the bottom of the lodge of the dome. And it was extremely hot. If you can imagine being closed into an oven with no oxygen, no air, no fans and no blowing, that is what that experience was like. But when they put me in there and they put the rocks in there and they closed the door It was as though time and space no longer existed, and I felt time fast forward. And I was so drained and so sweaty and so exhausted. I'd only been in there maybe a few seconds to my ego brain, my human brain, but it had been hours. And when they took me out, they dipped me in the water right there by the creek, rinsed out my hair and put a very thin nightgown looking thing over me. And then they handed me a candle and it pointed me in the direction of the cavern. And I looked at her and I was like, I got to go in there. And she was like, "Mm, go, go, go. And I was like, oh man, Keep in mind, this whole time, I still have no idea what is going on. I am just going through the motions of this meditation to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm like, all right. And I barefooted in my little gown and I go down into this very black cavern and as I go down into the cavern, I see things from, like, my childhood etched on the walls, right? And I see things from all of these, these different parts of my mind, which the energy all said, you are going into a place in your mind where you have not been before. And as I went down deeper and deeper, it got blacker and blacker. And I started to hear the whimpering of a child in the dark. Now it's dark and it's wet and there's water coming from the sides of this cavern, this cave. And the the farther you go down the colder it gets and there's literally nothing in there. I hadn't seen a lizard, I hadn't seen anything, not even a bat. And I hear this whimpering and my heart sinks because several years prior to this, I had a miscarriage. And when I heard the whimpering and this being a part of my own mind, I immediately went, That is that child. I felt as though there was a soul for that body that I either was holding on to or didn't let go of or was still with me or something. So, urged on by that feeling, I went down into this cavern even farther. And I came across this small child who was maybe three or four years old. And she had blonde hair and she was in a nightgown that looked just like the one I was wearing. And I knelt down and she she looked at me and she was etching on the walls of this cavern. She looked at me and she said, it is about time you got here. Can we go now? And I said, yes, we may go now. I didn't ask her who she was or where she came from or anything. I just said, yep, we can go now. So we go all the way to the end of this cavern. At the end of the cavern, there is a pool. There is a pool of weird, watery, semi-gel substance. And there's uh, rocks all the way around it, like big, soft soap stones. Very particular kind of stone sitting piled up all the way around, making a circle like a well. And there is a light, a bright beam ball, bright ball of light shining over this well. And just in case in the future I decide to tell the story, I'm going to gloss over one of the parts of this story and get to the good part. I may or may not divulge the details of that one later, We shall see. Uh, When I got down there, something happened, and then I went over to this pool. And this little girl was standing next to me, and I reached my hand into the pool, and it is exactly body temperature. There is no difference between the temperature of my hand and that water. And there was a glowing light, like a tunnel, like all the way down. There's no bottom. There's just a soft glowing light and it feels different. It doesn't feel like normal water. And I was like, I guess we're supposed to go down. And I sent her down first. (laughs) I put her in first because it wasn't a situation where I felt like, oh, there's danger here. It's time to go. And I wanted her to be out of harm's way. And so I climbed into the pool. And I stood there and I could feel like I was standing on something, even though there was nothing there. And in my mind, because it's what we do, it's what we're trained to do. I took a deep breath and I held my breath and I went under the water and I started swimming down. And as I'm swimming down, I told myself, oh yeah, I'm not in my body. I can breathe. And when I breathed, it was like, I wasn't in water at all. It was like breathing air it was very bizarre because even in the meditations when I'm in the ocean, it does not feel like I'm breathing air. It is like the part of my brain that needs to breathe turns off. So it's a very different feeling. So I go down and I'm swimming and I'm swimming down towards this light and all of a sudden I feel a current pulling me down. And it gets a little faster and a little faster and I stop moving my arms and legs. I put my arms down to the side. And then this current carries me into the tube of light. And the tube is just big enough for my body. And as I'm going through the tube of light, there are markings inside of the tube in other languages. And there's symbols and there's dots. There's constellations. I can identify constellations marked on the walls of this tube. And it all felt very, very familiar. And when I came out the other end, it was an identical pool as the first. And this light that was above the pool pulled me all the way up above the pool to where I was suspended in the air. And I was completely dry. I was not wet at all. And that little girl that I had brought with me was standing there right next to me. And I was baffled. Like this was a whole new experience on a whole nother level. I had no idea what was happening. But by God, I wanted to get out of these tunnels. Because at that moment, I recognized that I was not going to leave the tunnel, that I was not going to find the exit, that I was in the never-ending maze. And the light lowered me this invisible force from this ball of light, um, lowered me next to the girl I was standing next to. And we start walking down an identical corridor of stone and rock and dripping water sounds and pitch blackness. And all of a sudden, way far off in the distance, there is a tiny, tiny light at the end of the tunnel. And the little girl looks at me and she goes, This is where I get off. And I looked at her and I said, what do you mean? She's like, here's my exit. And I look over to my right with my candle because I somehow still have that. Don't know where it came from. Um, I look over and there is a door in the side of the cavern. Clearly, I was not able to go through that door. Like I could feel that if I tried, it just wouldn't work and she pushed the door like with her hand and it opened. It opened towards us and then it slid to the side like a barn door almost except it came out and over. And when I saw it, it was all air. It was this bright blue sky and there were clouds and there was just a sense of freedom and finality. And she stepped into the sky, and she turned around and looked at me, and she grew up into a woman. And she said, thanks for showing up, and she disappeared. And the door closed and disappeared, and it became part of the wall. So I looked forward at this beam of light that I was going towards, and I was like, all right, something big is about to happen, and I start marching forward, and I just want to get to the light. I want to figure out what is happening, and as I'm walking down towards this light, I am filled with this weird frustration. Like, I want to know why I'm here. I want to know what the purpose is, and I'm getting frustrated because I have no guidance, and I'm just wandering in tunnels. And going through tubes, apparently. And I get down there. And I'm now in a room. And the room is all made of those old-fashioned stones. And it's mossy and it's still wet. And there is this bright ball of white light that, as I'm thinking about it now, so this must have happened before I went to see Simak, Because I did not recognize it as my soul self. I just recognized it as a divine being sitting in this room at the end of the tunnel. And everything was lit up and everything was bright and happy. And I went in there and I was frustrated and I was angry. And I look down underneath the ball of light. And there is an aspect of myself. Long story short, I'll tell you in another, I'll tell you in another episode how I met this person. Um, but I recognized this person as the healer aspect of myself. I lived in this place in time where I was a healer and that is what I did. I would follow these large battles and I would clean up the battlefield and I would heal those were, that were wounded. And I recognized this person as myself in that life. This was an aspect of me. And then I became aware that I was about to fight. I was angry and I was enraged. And I was like, I'm going to have to fight my way out of here. And then I looked around and I said, of course, you're going to send the healer to a battle. And I said, I at least want a weapon. And I said that out loud and a weapon appeared in my hand. And I remember it was a giant (laughs) ax. And I said, that's more like it. And then I walked forward and I, and I said, of course, you're going to send the healer to do this. And in a flash, in a flash, in a blink of an eye, the healer moved from her position to behind me. And she pushed a porcupine quill into my back into my spine, and I closed my eyes, and I took a deep sigh, and I said, that's right, because the healer also knows the poisons, and I fell onto my back, and I wasn't quite paralyzed, but it moved very quickly, and my whole body started to shake, and I started to become paralyzed, and I looked at this higher self aspect. And she lifted my head and she held on to me and she said, just let go. And in my head, because I couldn't speak, but I know she could hear my thoughts, in my head I was so filled with rage and I said, I will never let go. I will never die. And the force of will that I was trying so hard to fight death in that moment and there was nothing that I could do. And I laid there shaking until things started to get blurry. And as things started to get blurry, I would blink and then I was in the womb. I was in a womb in amniotic fluid, being squeezed really, really tightly. And then it would flash back to being paralyzed and shaking and dying. And then it would flash back, and I was being born, and then it would flash back again. And that happened two or three times. And then all of a sudden, I became aware that I was this infant that was being born again. And then I simultaneously felt myself as the mother birthing her child. Keep in mind, I did not have children at this time. I had no idea what any of this (laughs) felt like until I had this experience. And I fell out. I came out, and everything was really bright, and I was an infant, and I was flailing, and I was screaming, and I was confused because of the pain of being born. And the higher self, the healer that just killed me, was now holding me, and I was an infant. And the love that poured over her was so amazing. And she stepped out of a door in the wall, and she went back to the people. And this time, we were still in the woods, but this time, there were hundreds of people gathered, watching, waiting for her to bring me out to them. And I remember being so angry and so scared. I was terrified. I had no control over my body or my limbs. And I was a toothless little infant screaming her head off, flailing my little limbs that I I couldn't control. And this same native walked up to me and looked in my mouth and said, she still has it, and walked away from me. And I knew in that moment that because I did not Surrender that because I did not understand or I refused to understand that I was born again with the same, with the same ego or the same problem or the same karma, the same something, that that experience could have healed me in an intrinsic way, but I chose to hold on to my sickness She handed me to one of the women in the crowd. And when that happened, everything went white again, and I came out of that meditation. And I was crying, and I was angry. (laughs) And it had been over two hours since I laid down to meditate. I have no idea how many hours it was. It was so long ago, but it was a long time. And I had to sit with that. I sat with it for a couple of days before I decided to to do some research and find out if there are documented experiences where you are angry and then you die and then you feel yourself giving birth to yourself i googled that whole scenario and the first thing that popped up was the shamanic death of the ego and i read through multiple accounts of people having these experiences where they would go into their mind or they would go through this experience And they would be super angry thinking that they had to fight. But when they surrendered, they transformed and their ego changed. And all of the representation from the time that I fell flat on my face on that stone, my soul self and my ego self separated. And I chose to walk the way of my ego. And in doing that, I gave myself the ability to die to self. And because I fought the process of the ego being transformed because I refused and resisted that transformation, it extended my my struggle with the ego, my fight with the ego. But that was the first time that I was reborn. So... After I did some more research and had a better understanding, that is not something that you can recreate. You cannot just recreate this experience of the energy building up on top of me, my higher self beckoning me to go into meditation, and then literally holding my hand through the entire thing. So because I could not recreate that experience, I had to wait. And in that waiting, I then met Saima. And that was the first and the second time that I was reborn in my own mind. And all of these ideas that we have about egotism, this common understanding that an egotist is that dude that's a narcissist that acts like a jerk for attention all the time, that's only one aspect, that's only one description of what the ego is. Every single human in order to interact with this world has an ego mind that is made up of all of these different aspects and that makes you who you are or who you think you are. That's a very important distinction of who we think we are versus who we are as a soul, as the I am, as that divinity that's pouring into us all the time and the ego is just there to make sense of this world and to be comfortable and safe and survival and all of these things. So as I leave you with that today, I want you to reflect on how you can tap into that source of divinity and how you can dance with your ego self, the one that's here to protect you and to make sense of the world and the life around you, because we don't destroy the ego. We have all of these representations of the death of the ego, but the death is only the transformation of the ego to a higher frequency, to a new state, to allow our minds to open more and to understand more and to be more and to be more present It is a dance. And right now, chances are the ego is leading the dance. But you have the ability to take the lead and flow. Flow with your ego. Flow with your lead. Flow with that divinity. Open it up. Say, here I am, world, and bring it out. I have faith and belief, and I've had multiple experiences in that area that I was just talking about that tells me it's possible. <laughs> so there's all of that. I hope that you got something amazing out of this, and I am so excited that each and every one of you are here. I am excited for the things to come. If you do not follow me yet, please, please, Go onto to Facebook and follow my business page. It is facebook.com slash awakenedmind1. That's O-N-E. And if you do not know or do not follow me there, then you would not know that I have a spiritually empowered Facebook group where I do a lot of my live videos. I do daily tarot card draws. And most recently, as of this week, I will be doing live Facebook videos talking about spiritual energy and the energy of meditation and all of this fun stuff to share with you all of those bits of knowledge. So check me out on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and I'll talk to y'all later this week.